are listening to the podcast Advertising Playbook, your resource to better understand and execute successful podcast ad campaigns. Hello and welcome to the podcast Advertising Playbook. I'm your host, Heather Osgood, and with me today on the show, I have Jay Green. Jay is the head of podcast tech and strategy at Odyssey and Cadence 13. Jay has been in the industry for so many years, so I'm super excited to have him on this show today. Welcome, Jay. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you. I'm uh, very excited when you asked me to, age to join the show. Great, great. So I have to say, I knew you had been in podcasting for a while, but when I looked at your LinkedIn profile, I was like, gosh, Jay really has been here for a while. So it, it seems like you've, you know, you've been with a few different companies, mm-hmm. but I, I'm really curious what attracted you to podcasting? Sure. Well, I had actually come through the radio world for about 12 years prior, and I wanted to do something different. And I had been listening to podcasting for a long time. You know, I was the guy who found out, you know, I've listened to Adam Carolla, but I would actually download the MP3 and then burn it, if anybody remembers what burning is, to a CD and listen to it in my car. I'm like, this is really cool. This is something I can get into. And kind of took a chance in myself and headed over to that time, Podcast One. And, uh, I've been going ever since. I love it. Wow, that's impressive. I have to say, I downloaded a podcast on my MP3 player once, and I was like, that is way too much work. I am never going to do that again. But of course, when I got my smartphone and there was the app on there, I was like, oh, now I can get into podcasting. So you really are a diehard podcast listener if you went to those links to get your your podcast. (laughs) I did, and you could only fit about five if you were using an MP3, maybe five episodes on there at a time, so... Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, very cool. So I'm curious, like you said, you had come from the radio side of things, you moved into podcasting and and it seems like you started your early days in podcast advertising in specific. So I'm curious kind of what you found in those early days. Were there any surprises or, or any uh, experiences that you thought were interesting? Sure. It was what, right? It was, it was always what, we had a team um, that was dedicated to direct response, and my and my job was really going after the brands in New York. And you take those meetings, and at that point, it really I hate using the term Wild West, but it really was the Wild West. You'd go into the meetings with brand managers or CMOs, and they'd be like, I don't listen to podcasts. But then there would always be one or two people that were just out of college, that were planners or associates, and they'd be like, oh, wait, I listen to podcasts. And then you'd get that head turn from the brand manager and be like, Okay, let's talk about this. And then it became a lot of evangelism of, okay, we're interested. We want to take a dip, but how does it measure, right? At that point, in in those years, measurement was still such a taboo word for podcasting. And I'm very happy that the IB and all of my co-opetition and my colleagues out there have done a really great job of kind of pushing that question to the side now because it stopped becoming of what, but now how? So being able to dip their toes in for these brand managers was a really great step. It didn't happen a lot. The budgets at that point were still very small and nascent, but you saw them taking that step and then they would do some really cool things. I'm like, oh, this is interesting. This is interesting. And now it's kind of growing to where it's like, okay, cool. We need to be in, we need to be a part of this. Yeah. Well, and one of the things I think is really interesting is that, you know, I've been in the industry now for almost seven years. And when someone new kind of comes to the industry, they're like, oh, this is such a nascent you know, industry and everything so undefined and it's so much the Wild West. But I would say, and I think you would agree with me that we've come really far. And as much as we're still an emerging kind of industry, 
we're much more established than I would say we have been in the past. Do you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. We've come such a long way. And I, I get the questions from a lot of a, a lot of buyers, even our even our own internal sellers. What's different? You know, where have we come from? Where are we going next year? And I say, you could have asked me that question two years ago, and it's a completely different answer than I'm going to give you each and every year. So I agree 100% that that hockey stick growth we've seen in audience and budget levels also attributes itself to the tech, the attribution, branding, everything we're doing, just the, the evolution of what we're able to do and the parity that we've come to with other mediums is just phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So what I'd love to do is kind of get an assessment from you on where you think we're at right now. So obviously we've come from things being very new and having to really convince brands to jump into the space. We've had a lot of growth and I would, I would, you know, say just what you had, that if you asked me every year, what was going to change, it is different from year to year because our expectations and our growth have been, I would say, fairly significant. And so then from that growth, you're headed in a different direction or maybe to another level. So if you were to give, um, you know, just an assessment of where we're at in podcasting and podcast advertising in particular, where would you say that, that we're at today? Sure. That's a great question. I think we're at that creativity level, right? We started at the, what is it? We started at, what is it? We've gone to, how do I measure? And then we've gone to, how do I buy? Now we're at that creativity level. What can I do? What can I do that's cool and different and new? I know I can do a sponsorship. I know I can do a personal experience. I know I can do a producer read and a host read. What else can I do with it? Do I go with video? What kind of supplementing can I do? Can I do with the hosts? How big can I go? Can I cross promote? What is my competition doing that I'm not doing? How can I get in front of the competition? So the creativity levels are there. And I hate saying it's a resurgence in audio because audio has always been there, but you're seeing this, um, I guess it is kind of a resurgence or evolution of what can I do with audio that I haven't done before, that people haven't done before. And people are just having a lot of fun with it. And that's, that's where we're at right now. They're having, having a lot of fun with it. While on the other side, being able to properly measure, properly do attribution, or we're, we're building it to brand safety. I mean, there's just so much going on that podcasting is just, it's continuing to grow with it. Yeah. Yeah. So I know that you've mentioned now a couple of times this idea of metrics and measurement, and I still feel like that's a big question for a lot of advertisers, especially advertisers that are new to the space. We have had so much progress when it comes to attribution, and I think even just having you know, a handful of tools where we know we can rely on them and we know that they give us that third-party third validation that what we're doing is actually working is so valuable would you say that that piece isn't as much a question for advertisers anymore as it has been? Yeah, I, I would. I mean, people want to do something new, right? They still mm -hmm. want to measure in different ways. Not that it's gone away, but there is more comfortability with it. And you've seen that thanks to companies like Podsets, Chartable, Claritas, Samba, and DCM has, has done a, a really nice job of being able to keep up with it. So there's a lot of companies doing Really cool piece out there, Nielsen and uh, Cantor Miller Brown for what they're doing with brand studies, brand lists. So at the end of the day, what we're able to do is give our advertisers and our clients options for what they want, what they want to try and measure for their KPIs. You know, we did a really cool piece with a CPG study with a major brand, of which I can't say it, but um, to show them that people who listen to the show did in fact go to a store and purchase this brand. And not only did they purchase that brand, but it was coming at the expense of some of their competition, right? Mm -hmm. So we, it's, 
So we're giving the advertisers those options to say, what are your goals? What are your KPIs? Here's how we can prove it out to you, depending on what it's going to be and what your ROAS is going to look like. So being able to give them those opportunities and those options just opens the floodgates. Yeah, absolutely. And I would say that what I have really loved is that there is a huge range of tools for advertisers when it comes to measurement. And, you know, if you want to use some of these larger companies and if you're a large brand and you want to do a full lift study, there are lots of resources available to do those things. But if you're a smaller advertiser and you're just getting into the space, there's still through the attribution companies some really effective lift studies that can be done that essentially cost nothing, you know? So I really would just advise you to think about trying to take advantage of some of those tools because we have come so far and, and, you know, of course we don't want to get away from the promo codes and the unique URLs and all that jazz, but if we can layer in technology with measurement, it I think gives everyone really just a sense that we know how something is performing with a level of certainty that those other tools maybe just don't give us. I agree. And when you talk to the uh, performance shops, they, they'll tell you that the promo codes are great and they do give you information, but being able to layer in a tracking pixel or even if, if it's a baked in ad, they are putting in the RSS prefix, just gave them a whole other layer of information because you could hear a spot of two different shows, but ultimately when you're going to that site, you're going to put in one code if you remember the code, or you may even get to the site and they have their own code there. So being able to see what you were listening to and, and apply that is great. Yeah, absolutely. So getting back to this idea of an audio revolution, I want to dig into that a little bit. You know, we just came from podcast movement not too long ago, and there's so much talk about audio and video together, which I love. You know, we're recording this in video right now. I think that there's a lot to be said for video. And of course, there is power in video. But one of the concerns that I have a little bit is that we're taking away some of the power of audio when we try to integrate it so heavily into other channels. And I'm really curious what your opinion or perspective on that is. Yeah, I, I love that question. I love being on video too, because it made sure that I was able to brush my hair this morning. My wife was so proud. There's, there's talk, you know, do you cannibalize your audio audience? I don't necessarily think that's the case. And there are certainly different ways to go about it, right? Can you simulcast it, for lack of a better term, that they both launch on the same day? Sure. Do you put the video portion out maybe a week later? I mean, uh -huh. that, that's, another, uh, that's another idea. Or as other companies are seeing, you know, as they put it out on, on uh, the different video platforms, maybe you're not putting out the full version of the show that you would on audio. Maybe you're doing five to 10 minute clips because that's where the consumption is lying. And you're seeing that the video users tend to be a little bit more short form. Mm -hmm. um, so you put, do you put it out in clips that way, which could also be sellable. It also depends on the show, right? Where is the show's audience going to lie? Is it a much younger audience that is going to view it on a YouTube or even Twitch? Or is it a more mature audience that is more on the go and they're driving? So I think it also lends a hand to the type of content. I don't mm -hmm. think I don't think it has to be a zero sum game. I think there is definitely uh, synergies that uh, see how many different marketing terms I can throw out. But there definitely <laughs> could be synergies to having both of them. Right? Is yeah. is there product placement? Is there uh, something you could do on video that you can't necessarily do on audio that you can tie together? So if they can work together, it just has to be done properly. 
Right. Right. Absolutely. I agree. And I think it's very interesting because some of the conversations I've had with the advertisers, they're very into this idea of the simulcast. And I don't particularly think that it has to be simulcast, meaning, you know, when I think of simulcast, I think of the entire, you know, podcast being in its original form in video, because I do really think that people consume video very differently. And one of the strengths of audio is this longevity of listening, right? People listen to a lot of audio. And when we compare it to video, they really just don't compare. And so while, of course, we want to get content out there in a variety of streams and we want to get advertising messages out in a variety of streams, I do think we have to, especially as an industry, make sure we don't muddy the waters to the point that we are taking away the value of pure audio. I agree with you completely. And that's why I like the idea. We've seen success in using shorter clips. Maybe it's just a a piece of an interview from one of the shows or a cool snippet that just, again, it's three to five, even to 10 minutes in length where people are going to. And I agree. The way you consume video is much different. You know, when I'm consuming video, I'm probably, I'm either laying in bed or sitting on the couch or at my desk watching, watching a video and there's a piece of it. But my concentration has to be there to it. Whereas with when I'm listening to a podcast, I'm one of those weird people that can't listen to a podcast at work, even though I listen to it because I do want to be focused on still, but I'm moving around, whether I'm, I'm mowing the lawn or I'm driving the kids to school, going to the gym, going shopping, whatever it is, it, it comes with me. And I, I have a hard time doing that with video. And I think a yeah. lot of people do too, because I'm watching it. Uh, I, I'm also one of those weird people who I'll, I'll listen to a movie in a car because if it's a movie I've heard all the time, but you know, there are cool things like we've done Cadence 13 features. So it really is a, a movie podcast, a, a true prime feature there, but it's built in such a way that it's for the month, right? It's, it's not showing you everything and you can be doing other things while you're, while you're doing that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, there are obviously so many tasks that we as humans do on autopilot. And so with those autopilot tasks, you can so easily listen to a podcast. And that's where the audio comes into play, obviously, as we all know and love. So when we think about um, advertising and the kind of evolution that we've had in advertising, I was just looking at um, the IEB's advertising report, and it stated that 55% of all ads last year were host-read ads. And, you know, the remainder then go into the announcer-read ads and things. Um, The other thing I think is really fascinating is that report says that 84% of the ads served um, in the podcast space last year were dynamically inserted. Mm -hmm. Um, I love to unpack this topic a little bit because, of course, we love our host-read ads. We don't want those to go anywhere. But as an industry, there are certainly things that we need to consider when we talk about maximizing revenue. So I'm curious kind of what your perspective is on where these different kind of forms of ads, you know, land and where we should kind of try to grow. Mm-hmm. One of the first things we always try and uh, evangelize or educate on is that don't be afraid of dynamic insertion or hearing that an ad is dynamically inserted. A really good host read can be dynamically inserted. Um, you know, we do, I think, 99 to 99.5% of our spots are all dynamically inserted, but with a good production team, you can put those markers in and it really becomes seamless, whether there's an ad there or not. And, you know, I've heard shows that we've done, I've heard shows that other people have done where I know it's dynamically inserted, but the I mean, I couldn't tell you that it's dynamically inserted. So if it's done right, um, it does really well there. And there's, yes, there's absolutely something to be said for 
really good host reads and the way they can drive audiences. But so many of what we do, what my, uh, what my colleagues in the industry do, are these producer reads or announcer reads that they sound good, right? I would say to brands, write the copy, give them the copy, but allow the audio teams to do what they do best. Let us create that audio for you and show you how it's done for a podcast, right? Don't necessarily recycle your copy that you're using in radio or video or you know, TV because podcasting is still a different medium and listeners expect a little something different, right? NPR does a great thing with this show is brought to you by, or even just different pieces of copy that lend itself to podcasting. Let the teams do what they know best to do. Mm -hmm. Do you think that it's most effective to combine host reads with announcer read, meaning like you know, let's say we had a brand that identified a handful of shows where they really felt like they wanted host reads um, and and maybe it's, you know, a percentage of their budget. So let's say maybe they're going to take half of their budget and they're going to invest those in host reads because there is this influencer piece, but then maybe they're going to take the other half and invest that in programmatic. Have you yeah. seen a lot of that or what are you seeing? Yeah, not necessarily programmatic yet. It's still a little bit nascent in podcasting, but we're all working very closely on it. You know, the IAB Tech Lab is doing a fantastic job of trying to hone that all in. But I do like the idea, and we do it very successfully, and as I know others do as well, is you've got your host reads and you're very set there of what you want to do. But you can also buy a run of network yes, schedule. Yes, with that announcer is, read. With, with an announcer read and use different forms of attribution to see what shows are delivering well on there. And it kind of creates, again, that marketing word, that synergy of you've got this line of host reads, you're promoting this one way. You could have the announcer promoting a different way. And from that network, see where you're getting an audience from, see where you're getting an attribution from, from the shows, and then work with your publishers to say, listen, I saw show X really well on the run of network. How can I buy that one direct and create a larger band there. So it really becomes that win-win for the publisher to drive more revenue for individual shows, but also for the brands to be able to effectively buy a run of network and see what else is working to do even deeper integrations. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and thinking about it from a budget perspective, that run of network is obviously going to be priced lower and will extend your dollars a bit and then give you that, that information, which I, I go back to this on a regular basis, but I don't think advertisers do enough testing. You know, I think that oftentimes we come into an advertising space and we're like, hey, everybody says podcast work. I'm going to try podcasts, right? And, you know, so an advertiser might come and spend a bit of money and then they're like, and eh, that didn't work. I'm not going to do it again. And I just think it's so important if you're brand new to the space, you really do have to test. And that's why talking about the measurement tools, talking about the lift studies, but also putting, putting a plan in place, knowing that when you get started, that you should start with a test. And of course, we all want to see a return on investment. And we would love that to be the very first dollar we spend. But in advertising, that's not really a reality. And so being able to come up with ways that you can test a large number of shows, I think is really important because I feel like I see advertisers do this a lot too. Like maybe they just choose a couple of shows to advertise on mm -hmm. and it's just not enough. It doesn't give them enough information to really design a strategy that's effective. Um, what are your thoughts on that? I agree. And it's another, 
I, I can't even tell you how many committees I'm on, but there's another committee that we're, we work on in the industry, with just not just publishers, but buyers, the buy side as well. And it all comes down to communication. And that's been the big word coming out of this is communication. Talk to your sellers. As, as an advertiser, talk to your sellers. So many of them have been doing this a while and very successfully. They will tell you what they think a successful test on their network is going to be. They may even tell you what a successful test for someone else is going to be like, how many weeks should it be? How many shows should you try? Should you do personal experience? Should you do a brain read and a performance read? Talk to them, but let them understand what your goals are, because what they're ultimately going to do is they're going to come back to the team, to their teams, their planning teams, their operational teams say, okay, I've got this new brand coming in and here's what they want to do. What can we show them as the best success? And they'll be able to work with their planning team saying, Use these five shows because it's going to hit their core demographics. The operations team can come and say, we can do X, Y, and Z for them. We can't do A, B, and C. We can do X, Y, and Z, and that'll make it work. Ask the questions about what kind of measurement, what kind of attribution, what can I do, and what do my budgets allow for? And I, I say that to both sides. It's like, don't be afraid to ask questions. The same would go for the sales team. Ask the questions of what are your goals, right? Without asking that question, you can't possibly know. And when, when you ask the question, we see more success than otherwise. So it allows you to come back to your operations team, your brand team, say, this is what my client wants to do. How can we do that for them? So at the end of the day, again, it's that communications. Ask the questions. Sometimes you get an answer you don't like, but that's only going to lead you to an eventual answer that you do like. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I totally agree with that. So one of the things that that you and I had been talking about is this idea of creating, you know, a successful relationship from beginning to end. So we want the content creator to be rewarded. We want the ad seller to be rewarded and we, we want the advertiser to be rewarded. It has to be a win across the board in order for everyone to succeed and move forward. And, you know, one of the things that really occurred to me as you and I were, were kind of chatting about it is that I think that a lot of times we think of the content creator and we think of the advertiser, but we really leave out that middle piece. And as an industry, it's so important that we not leave the middle piece out, right? Yeah. Because you and I are both in this, this um, industry where as the ad sellers, we have to make it work for us too. And I think that in some ways this dovetails into operations as well. Podcast advertising has been a really high touch, kind of low tech space for a while. Right. I'm just curious what your thoughts are about how can we work to really benefit the ad sellers as much as the content creators and the advertisers? Sure. There's so many different tools out there that are being created that allows ease of access to flow between operations teams and content creators to flow from sellers to their brand advertisers, performance advertisers, and being able to tie that all together, you need to show all sides what those advantages are. When you have content creators coming in, you got some really great partner managers on the publisher's side that are able to work with them and explain, here's what we need you to do. Here's what's expected of you when you're performing your show and, um, and you're putting together ads for us. Again, it comes down to the communication, communicating with the, the brands of here are the timelines that we need to make it really successful for you because so many of your content creators, um, they're doing other things. It's not just podcasts for them. And they have timelines, whether it's one, two weeks to get copied to make sure everything's properly recorded. So if you can assuage that end, right, and, and make sure that they have everything that they need prior to the campaign, 
you're going to get really good results. Same thing with the brands, ensuring that everything that they're given upfront, what they need um, and what the expectations are for them so that you can meet the goals on both sides. And once that happens and you tie it all together, you've got happy sellers, right? Because then you've got your renewals and every and everybody is happy that way. And there are a lot of cool companies out there that are doing some really great things to put all those tools together and, and work between hosting platforms and and vetting and um you know and, and and copy distribution. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I I have always said, and I think that this is from me coming from radio, that there is literally an army of radio ad salespeople out there, right? And I still don't think that we have enough salespeople in the podcast space. We really do have the inventory. And I, I still just don't think that we have enough evangelists out there. You know, and we we can get into programmatic and, and where that's headed in this space. And And with that, maybe we don't need as many ad sellers. But I still really think that there has to be more evangelism. I'm, I'm curious what you think about that. Sure. And we'll get the programmatic, but there is still something to be said for really sales relationships that it, it can work both ways. As far as uh, you know, the sellers that are out there. Yeah. I mean, I think you definitely want feet on the street and you want them to be evangelists and you want them to be educators because what does happen, it happens all the time is you get questions from your clients and you want to be able to answer that in a way that Radio is different, right? It's a, a constant on. Um, it, it might be DJ reads or whatever it might be, but the execution of it is different. The consumption of it is different, and that has to be recognized, right? A podcast listener treats that medium differently than they do radio. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not a bad thing. Um, it, you know, the radio does extremely well, um, especially on the, on the local ends. So to have that education, lean on your teams also. Mm-hmm. Um, and I say that to any any seller, not just a radio seller, it could be a video seller, anyone that's learning, because we're seeing that too. You're seeing a lot of these different publishing companies that they have podcasts and they have video and they want to tie it all in together. And we've heard that, you know, the sales team was like, how do I bundle this together? How do I package this together? Lean on your knowledge base. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one thing I've always tried to create within my career is our teams being a knowledge base for everyone, not just our sellers, but for the brands. I don't care if an RP is up or not. The more questions you ask and understand about the medium, the more likely you're going to spend with within the medium. Yeah, I totally agree. Well, and I think it's very interesting. I remember early on in my career in sales, the internet really shifted the way sellers sold and buyers, you know, purchased things. It used to be that sellers were the knowledge base, right? If you wanted information, you had to talk to a seller to get the information whether you're buying a car or a house or advertising, right? Like you had to talk to somebody about it, but then everything moved so much online and and people, and that includes consumers purchasing products. And it, it also includes businesses consuming, um, you know, products like advertising. You can get a ton of education on your own online. So you might not always need that seller. That being said, I don't necessarily think that that's the case with podcasting yet. You know, there is more and more information available about how to buy podcast advertising online, but there still isn't a ton and it is still disconnected enough <laughs> that people have a really hard time actually buying podcast ads sometimes. So that's why I do believe we still need that evangelism piece. So I'm curious, how do you think that programmatic really 
is finding a place in podcast advertising and, and where is its place? Well, first I would say that I probably spend 25% of my week either on calls with my sellers as they're talking to clients to do that evangelism and that education or prepping them for their calls, knowing that the questions they've seen in their RFPs and, and, and getting it ready so that they can properly answer it. So uh, I do think that evangelism is happening and that education is happening. For programmatic, there's still there's still work to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, many companies are still working on it. And what it comes down to, really two things. One, being able to maintain proper CPMs, proper rates, because we are still a very premium medium, and I don't see that changing. But the other part is the, the creative. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Right? We don't want to stick just a standard... 30 second radio spot in or a repurposed video spot, which I've actually seen someone try to do at one point. It's an education of listen to podcasts, ask your sellers for successful ads, even uh, announceries. Ask them for what are some successful announceries that you had so that we can create announceries that are in or work with your publishers. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of publishers out there who want to see included that will be more than happy to create that, that ad for you, knowing what sounds good in a podcast. Mm-hmm. Right, because it's going to air if you're running programmatic and you're going to have it uh, running across networks. You want it to sound good, and again, podcast listeners, they know their stuff. They know what they like. They know what they don't like. Everybody thought that it was going to be, oh, what's going to happen when they don't do what the producer or the host read rather. And as long as it's done right, it can be okay. I mean, you don't want to overdo your inventory, and as long as it's spread out properly and you're doing the proper uh, frequency capping, it can sound good. But making sure that your pricing is good and making sure that the copy is good. Mm -hmm. Those are your two really important factors when it comes to programmatic. Yeah, I totally agree. And um, I think that you really hit the nail on the head when it comes to creative. I think that Odyssey is in a really great position because of the radio roots of the company. You guys are used to producing ads for clients, right? But there isn't I don't think a lot of talk about creative in the podcast space. We've leaned on host read ads for so long that it it hasn't been a big enough topic. And I really do think that we should pay more attention. And especially if we want to maintain kind of the essence of what makes podcasting special, if the minute that we just start flooding the space with radio ads, it's not going to do good for anyone. And so I just think we really need to lean into how do we create ad reads that are announcer read that people respond to. And that is a piece that I'm sure lots of people are working on, but I haven't seen a lot of it. So I'm really interested to see kind of where we go from that perspective. Yeah, like, and I've been on calls and conferences about this with different uh, DSPs, different vendors, mm-hmm. uh, specifically about that topic. And as mentioned, the, the, the tech lab, we, we talk about that. And creative is always at the forefront of that, making sure that it's, it's good to go. And don't be afraid to ask. Don't be afraid for, for advice on it. Send it to your publisher. Will this work? Right? And if yeah. it doesn't work, what's your advice? What can I do differently? Yes, I totally agree. Well, um, Jay, I know we need to start wrapping it up. I'm curious what some of your predictions are for the upcoming months and years. I know we, we talked at the beginning about how it's a moving target, but what are some of your predictions? Sure. Well, of course, the four to $5 billion in revenue, of course. Brand safety is the key word for 2023, uh, mm-hmm. brand safety and programmatic. I think there are a lot of companies that are doing some really cool things out there. You know, you've got Sounder, Barometric, and a number of others that are uh, doing some really cool things. But that's going to be taken in evolutionary steps to 
understanding what the narrative is, what the programming is, and then down the road to be able to target against that, whether contextually or keywords. I think that's going to be a really big step, not just for podcasting, but the programmatic piece of it too. I think mm -hmm. a lot of the trade desks are going to want to see that brand safety integration there. I think attribution is going to continue to evolve, you know, with what we can measure. As I mentioned, you're doing CPGs, you want to be able to measure, tune in on your connected TVs, anything that brands can use to tell the story and prove out their model and prove out the, the increase in investments is going to be a big piece. And I think just more, there's more content, more good content that's going to be coming out. I know we all talk about it such, you know, tell me 2 million podcasts on Apple, but how many are actually still in production, which I think you're going to see increased production uh, values, which it's hard to imagine because there's so many great publishers doing so many great things out there. You know, people working in Dolby Atmos, you've got, like I said, we do Cage 13 features with really high production values, but I think you're going to keep seeing different narratives and different stories come, come along the way. And I think you'll see kind of, um, not a revolving door, but kind of an evolution of what the type of content that's in there. You might see some shows decide to move along while others come in and take their space. And I think you'll see listeners go along with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree. Well, I think those are all terrific projections and I certainly hope that many of them do come true. Jay, it's been great having you on the show. If people want to connect with you, where, where's a good place for them? Best place would be uh, j.green at odyssey.com or j at cadence13.com. I always have to tell everybody it's J-A-Y, not just the letter. <laughs> J-A-Y, that's right. Awesome. Well, thank you for being on the show today. Thank you, Heather. It was a pleasure. Thank you. And thank you for listening to the podcast. I hope that this has been a helpful episode for you. I know there's been some great information shared. And if you would like to learn more about podcast advertising, you can head on over to truenativemedia.com and download our podcast advertising guide. Thank you so much, and we'll catch you again next time. Thank you for listening to the Podcast Advertising Playbook, your source to a better understanding of the podcast advertising industry.